Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I want to begin today by reminiscing just for a moment. By the way, final pre-recorded vacation show for us, back in normal form on Monday. Looking forward to that. But for now, let me just say this, is that I'm hopeful that as time passes and you know, folks think back on the 2021 season, in addition to thinking about Georgia's win against Alabama in the national championship game, and by the way, that should be remembered and remembered fondly forever, but in addition to that, one of the things I also hope gets some attention are some of the other things that happened that season. You've heard me maybe say before that as you're going back to rewatch the Georgia-Bama game, I think you should go back and rewatch the Georgia-Michigan game, the Orange Bowl, the college football playoff semifinal. I think Georgia proved a lot about itself there that day. Those of us lucky enough to be in South Florida Ford, I think we had a great time. It's one of those things that that ought to be special, maybe not as special as getting over the hump versus Alabama, but special in its own right. And by the way, it's not just the Michigan game in which I feel that about. You know, I think there are other moments from the 2021 season that ought to belong on the shelf of great Georgia memories. You've heard it said, for instance, many times that it was so cool that Georgia bookended its season with defensive scores, interceptions returned for a touchdown, famously Keeley Ringo in the national championship game. But at the beginning of the season, Georgia also sealed the deal versus Clemson that huge non-conference matchup to open the year it was the Christopher Smith pick six interception return there that day that kind of started the Georgia season and started the magical run that would result in a national championship and kind of fun to think about you know pick sixes being the bookend for Georgia just given how pivotal that Georgia defense was all season long and I was thinking about the Chris Smith interception it is a special moment it was a tough game for Georgia against a very good Clemson team by the end of the year Clemson kind of wasn't really thought of as playoff worthy but that doesn't change the fact that that was one of the bigger wins for Kirby Smart when he first got it in Charlotte to begin last season and as a way of setting us up for what I think is going to be a pretty fun conversation here today let me let you hear Christopher Smith here for a moment. This is what he said after he was the provider of the game-winning play for Georgia against Clemson. This is what he said about that back in September after Georgia got that big win against the Tigers. Take a listen to this. I've been working that play all week, trying to uh, perfect our disguise on the play. We had a, got a great look. We got a good route concept. I showed that outside and I broke inside. He threw it right to me and the rest is history. I love Christopher Smith way he says that there. The rest is history. I think it is a part of Georgia football history and the fact that Christopher anticipated it being there and it worked out, as he said, just the way they had worked on that during practice. I don't know. That's kind of cool. Uh, I think Smith should always be a fan favorite because of that. And there's reason to believe that in 2022, the best could be yet to come for Christopher Smith in the Georgia uniform. In fact, a little bit more on that here right now. I hold in my hand the Lindy Sport College Football Preview Magazine. Now, you'd think for all the public uh, publicity I give these preseason magazines, they'd give me something for it, but they don't. Nonetheless, I'm still a fan of them, old school as I am. And I'm looking here in this Lindy's Magazine. They've got a sneak peek at the 2023 NFL Draft, and they've got all the various position groups here. And when I look at safeties, these are the ranking from a outlet called the Draft Bible, NFL Draft Bible. According to NFL Draft Bible, 
heading into the 2022 season ahead of the 2023 NFL draft, Christopher Smith is number one on their list of draft eligible safeties for the upcoming season. Ahead of Brian Branch in Alabama, Brandon Joseph at Northwestern, Jalen Catalan uh, Arkansas, also Tyke Smith's on this list from Georgia, Marcus Hooker from Ohio State, Jamie Robinson from Florida State, uh, Key Lawrence from Oklahoma, Ronnie Hickman from Ohio State, and DeMarco Helms also from Alabama. So Christopher Smith, number one on this list. And I was kind of thinking, that's kind of cool. I guess I hadn't really thought too much about what uh, Smith's draft status would be or, you know, obviously you treat him as one of the important givens for Georgia for the upcoming season. But thinking about it much beyond that, I guess I'm kind of guilty of saying I haven't really done too much of that as of yet. But if you do consider that a possibility, what the draft Bible folks say, I mean, it is after all the, the draft Bible. Uh, <laughs> they certainly take themselves pretty seriously if that's what they're naming their publication. But the point here is, if that's kind of the way that we think about all of this, the uh, the, the the fact that Christopher Smith could be the top draft eligible safety for the 2023 draft, well, maybe, maybe this is just the best safety in the country for the upcoming season. I mean, maybe that's kind of the status that Smith has this year. He's just the best safety in the country. It's at least a possibility based on what the preseason magazine's saying right there. And then I started thinking, well, who else on the Georgia roster could that be true for? That if Smith is your top safety in the country, yet to be determined, but possibility, who else on the Georgia roster could be tops at their position for the upcoming season? We did spend some time the other day kind of lamenting the fact that at least a couple of publications don't think of Stetson Bennett right now as one of the 20 best quarterbacks, not one of the top 25 best guys at his position. But whether that's true for Stetson or not, there are plenty of other Georgia players who are certainly on the list of top 20, and they may be number one overall. So let's go through these here just for a minute. I believe that Christopher Smith, for reasons we just discussed, has every bit the chance of being the number one safety in the country here for this upcoming season. Another guy I would add to that list I think you would join me in saying there's a very good chance that Nolan Smith could prove to be the best outside linebacker in the country. Smith, former number one recruit. Uh, This is a big time player who gave Georgia not just an on field spark a year ago, but a big spark in the uh, leadership uh, uh, category there as well. In fact, I mean, even so far this spring, if you want to go back to Georgia spring practice, it seems like Nolan's mind's already in the right place. His energy's already moving in the right direction. You know, he was kind of asked about hey, what it means to come out and defend the national championship, what it means to kind of go out there and add to the legacy that Georgia created for itself when it won the title a year ago. And you've got to imagine that Georgia coach Kirby Smart loved the line of thought that Nolan pursued and all of that. So if you're thinking about Nolan potentially being best outside linebacker in the country, it's at least a possibility. The mindset to achieve that seems like he's already got that in place. This is Nolan from the spring. I mean, that's everything. Like, people are still asking questions about, you know, we defending the title. It's not we're defending a title. We're going to win another one. You know, and that's the mindset that you got to have. You don't defend anything. So I feel like, you know, we take it as a responsibility and go out there and just give it our day, best every day and take it one day at a time. Just like we did last year. We didn't look forward. We didn't look behind. We just kept taking it one day at a time. It is not always easy to hear that audio when it's recorded in those interview sessions, kind of in that, you know, lobby area there at UGA. There's some background noise, but what Nolan says there, hey, you know, we're not trying to defend the 2021 title. We're trying to come out and win a new title in 2022. And that's kind of what you want to hear a guy like that say. That's kind of the mindset you want to see him approaching all all of that with. And 
I think that kind of leadership, he showed that last year. He brings that back here this year. The chance to also put some big stats together. Now, he's not the only outside linebacker that could do good things for Georgia. Obviously, we've discussed before about what Robert Beal's return could mean for the dogs. But Nolan Smith, I believe, very much in the category of guys who could be the very best player at their position for the upcoming season. Obviously, Will Anderson, you have to think about him there in that regard. But Nolan can give that a go there. So maybe worth talking about that. Third guy, I think, who could be at least in the conversation a very best player at his position for the upcoming season and this may be the safer bet of any of the ones that i've mentioned here thus far another pick six hero from for georgia from a year ago that's keely ringo ringo is commonly mock draft very near the top of the front end of next year's nfl draft and it's not an unremarkable thing to consider that he could be the number one cornerback in the country here for this upcoming season there's always great competition there in that regard other names are worth discussing here but in the in the chatter about who could be the very best I think you put him in that category with uh Nolan Smith and you put him in that category with Christopher Smith of guys who could earn that status of their position in the case of Ringo it's also one of those things where hey his emergence into the next phase of his career may be even more important than some of the other guys we're going to mention here because we know how valuable lockdown corner is we know how inexperienced georgia stands to be on the other side of keely ringo so 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 his emergence may be more important than any other i thought that kirby smart was really good the other day talking about ringo during his interview on the morning show wjox there in Birmingham when Kirby was there for the celebrity golf tournament talking about how you know Ringo's kind of slimmed down he's kind of lightened up here a little bit decided he was a little too big what playing at times what 220 or so last year getting kind of a, at a lower weight ready to run maybe even better than he's uh, ran before that he's really kind of put himself in a in, in a pretty good position to even be more successful so when you're thinking about those Georgia players who could emerge in kind of an elite national category maybe best at their position in the entire country for the upcoming season I think Keely Ringo is a name that you also put on that list which leads you to one last name at least on the defensive side of the ball and this is maybe probably the most obvious one probably the easiest selection to make on paper he probably already looks to be this guy Jalen Carter as your number one defensive tackle in the entire country last year georgia had three first round defensive tackles that's a legacy spot now for the dogs and jalen carter who actually earned praise last year even with trayvon walker and Devonte white and jordan davis on this team potentially being the best defensive tackle in the entire country this kind of becomes one of those things that that maybe becomes easier to imagine than maybe even any of the other names i've mentioned here i thought that jalen carter was great during spring practice talking about those growing expectations for him he is a former five-star he is a guy that you know has been kind of viewed to be the sky as the limit for quite some time and now it sounds like carter as he moves into what very likely could be the final year for him in a georgia uniform is ready to actually bring all of that potential home here and actually put it all on display as the kind of player that everybody thinks he can be this is what he said about that going back to spring practice i worry like different ways you know i started running more after practice and all that because some guys motivated me to do more because they told me i could be top 10 pick and all that so i've done a lot that i usually didn't do my freshman year and i've just been working harder yeah, you came in as a five-star prospect. You've had expectations your entire time here. How have you, you know, do you think you've gone about living up to those now, entering your junior year? What are your own sort of expectations entering this season? 
So I love that from Jalen Carr. He says, I've been training harder because now I know I can be a top 10 pick. And listen, I maybe used to be a five-star, but that's all in the past. Now it's about what I'm doing right now. And you certainly listen to Jalen Carter there, and you get the sense that he very much wants to follow in the footsteps of what Devontae White and Jordan Davis and Trayvon Walker have been, elite, high-end level defensive tackles. Carter was kind of already that in an ensemble role a year ago, and now in more of a starring-type situation. He could uh, certainly be ready for all of that. So there you have it, at least on the defensive side of the ball. There are four names defensively I think could be the very best at their position for the upcoming season. Christopher Smith at safety, Keely Ringo at cornerback, Nolan Smith at outside linebacker, a lot of competition there, of course. Jalen Carter there at the defensive tackle position. There are also a couple of names offensively I want to give you too, but first let me introduce the show. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Kroger, and we're glad to have you with us. No matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. Looking forward to being back doing the first and 15 again next week. They're starting at 945 on dognation.com and the Dog Nation app. Of course, we're available radio, Athens Sports Radio 960, the ref, every day at noon. Podcast form, the Apple Player, Spotify, the Google Player for the Android devices, worldfamousdognation.com a lot of different ways to get in touch with what we're doing we're glad you do that uh each and every day and thank you for allowing me to be away doing a little bit of vacation here right now looking forward as i said to be doing live shows again next week and of course enjoying plenty of summer fun here and that's what kroger is all about there as well including big savings on the things you need for the most fun summer possible about 40 percent off kroger uh, patio furniture summer decor summer toys and a whole lot more you can look for those tags and save right away there in the kroger store stop by kroger.com and find out more about that there as well we appreciate kroger bringing all that to us here today we'll get some recruiting talk coming up with jeff centel as we go on the road with him assisted by AAA. Before that, though, I want to go around the doghouse here today. And I want to continue the conversation we are having a moment ago about Georgia players that we think can be the best at their position nationally for the upcoming season. Now, maybe you've got a name or two that I didn't give or I won't give. And if you do, then go ahead and hit me up on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily or just put the comment in the comment section will allow you to be a part of this discussion there today there as well but uh defensively we gave you four names a moment ago safety christopher smith cornerback keely ringo outside linebacker nolan smith defensive tackle trey uh, uh, jalen carter all of those guys are, are defensive names of guys that could be the best their position how about a couple of offensive names here for a moment let me start offensive line here where listen i think that georgia probably gets a major contribution from both of its tackles we expect warren mcclinton to be the guy on the right side we expect broderick jones to be the guy on the left side really either one of those guys could maybe possibly emerge but i would say on the offensive line the safest bet here may be the center cedric von Prahn, probably the closest to maybe being the best in the country right now based on the way that he played a year ago and if you do end up with svp uh, as the best center in the country that's usually a very good thing for an offense and i kind of find myself thinking about 
uh, Cedric Von Prong Granger much the same way I thought about Nolan Smith a moment ago, that part of what aids him in being a very good player for this upcoming season is also the mindset with which he approaches the season, that it sounds like uh, SVP doesn't think the Georgia offensive line got enough credit last year, and he kind of uses that as a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. He says that not only does he have the individual aspiration of being the best, you assume he probably does, but collectively this team, this entire unit of offensive linemen, they've got a unified goal in mind there as well. Very interesting words from Van Praan going back to the spring there on that. Let me let you hear him here for a minute. I'll say this. We definitely want to honor the guys that came last year, but honestly, this is a new group, and we feel slighted because we – let me let me rephrase that. Not slighted. Slighted is the right word. We just you want to use it as motivation that we didn't win the Joe Moore last year, so we want to be the best group possible. Don't you love that? That, hey, listen, we feel – he almost wants to say slide but then he corrects himself but basically we want to be the joe moore award that's the award that goes to the nation's best offensive line that's collectively what this group wants to do and having a center that speaks with that much bass in his voice when he's leading this unit that's a pretty good thing there right there i don't think it's a huge stretch at all to say the van Prong granger could emerge as the best center in the country that'd be very valuable for georgia if that is indeed the case finally one more name to give you here in much the same way that jalen carter kind of the easiest rubber stamp on defense the easiest rubber stamp as best player in the country at his position on offense is obviously probably Brock Bowers at tight end now make no mistake about it whatever the is it the Mackey award I still don't know that they're going to give him any credit because they should have given him credit last year and didn't so they very they very they may very well ignore him again on this this year they certainly did a year ago but we will obviously know ourselves how good Brock Bowers is whether he gets the national award attention or not in fact maybe the best indication of just how good Brock Bowers is is what rivals say about him let's go back to Alabama coach here Nick Saban you want to understand the greatness of Brock Bowers even even someone like Nick Saban forced to admit just how good he really is this an example from last year here's Nick I, I think this guy's one of the premier players in college football uh, I know he's just a freshman, but um, this guy's got great size. He's a good blocker. He's physical. He's tough. Um, and he's got wide receiver skills in every way, shape, or form, which makes it difficult uh, being a bigger guy for uh, bigger guys to cover him. Uh, and it makes it also difficult for smaller guys to cover him. So um, this guy is just a phenomenal football player all the way around. Uh, they do a really good job of featuring his talents as well and he's been extremely productive in a lot of ways i know everybody always knows the passes that he catches but he's also a really good blocker and does a good job in his part of executing whatever he needs to do to you know help his teammates have success as well so there you go we don't really like nick saban around here but we do what like what saban says about brock bowers and if you want proof that bowers could be the best at his position for the upcoming season i think the words of saban certainly justify all of that so there you have it that's my six now maybe you have names that i should have included maybe you would have thought about one of the offensive tackles or maybe one of the running backs and that's certainly a fair debate but for me the six easiest names to mention as possibly the best their position for the upcoming season on offense cedric von prine granger and brock bowers on defense christopher smith keely ringo nolan smith jalen carter 
kind of an interesting look at what we think the 2022 season could have in store. For now, though, what do you say we keep the UG recruiting talk going? On a Friday, that means we go on the road, assisted by AAA, with our buddy Jeff Sintel. And even during a pre-recorded vacation show, we still do that. So hopefully, you'll enjoy that right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Great to be on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel today. I've been on the road all week, of course, on vacation, but still talking to UGA Recruiting. Now, the trick here is, is that obviously a lot has happened in the recruiting world since we last did a live show here. So very good chance our audience knows more as they are sitting listening to this than we do here right now, just from, from the perspective of time. But obviously, whatever has happened from a live standpoint, we'll uh, come and cover that when we get back. But Jeff, there's still plenty for you and me to talk about here today, and I'm happy to have you with us as we do that. I want to kind of begin with you, if you don't mind, where I was a moment ago before you joined us, which is looking at my list. And obviously, anybody else's list could be whatever they want it to be. But I've kind of come up with my list of guys who I think could reasonably be the best player at their position in the country by the end of the season we'll get to some recruiting stuff here in a moment but i want to bring you on this topic there uh before we do that and i just did offensive guys a moment ago and so to kind of begin there with you on that the two players on the georgia offense i think by the end of the season could reasonably be considered the best player in the country at that position I've got the very easiest one of all, Brock Bowers, the tight end spot. And I'm also going to say Cedric Von Prong Granger at the center position. What do you feel about those two? And is there another player that you would say, hey, maybe that's best in the country at that position? Anybody else other than those two? Or do you agree with those two? Well, I like those topics. Um, you know, and this is probably going to get some people fired up on a Friday morning, Brandon, but. I got a couple more names. I, I thought, you know, best in the country at their respective positions. I like Cedric Von Prong Granger. Uh, he might be a three and out player at Georgia and only play in two years the way he's trending right now. And Bowers, of course, I mean, what, he's got to be your preseason All-America tied in and your Mackey favorite and everything else like that. Um, but I think a name that probably should folks be aware of is I think, I think Broderick Jones is going to be one of those types of players that, that's going to, you see him working in the offseason. I've heard nothing but amazing things about him. He is a, This is one of his money years. He might even be one of those three-and-out players, but really only two on the field or maybe one and a quarter on the field um, for Georgia with how he subbed for Jamari Salyer last year. And if, if we really want to get interesting, um, I think, you know, Brandon, I know you're trying to be very dutiful and, and, and very uh, responsible and mild-mannered when it comes to the Eric Gilbert hype train. But, you know, that's another player that I think is going to be a matchup nightmare for Georgia. Maybe the only reason why he might not be the number one player in the country by the end of the season is because Brock Bowers and his own team uh, might be the guy that he, more, he might be looking a little bit little bit up to in terms of, you know, the best overall player in the country in their position. But if you're talking offensively, you're talking the right names there, Brandon, for sure. I think that's really exciting. And I actually mentioned Jones myself a moment ago as kind of like my – also receiving votes type person because the difference between Broderick and like say a guy like uh you know Cedric Von Prahn is the fact there's a little bit more of a proven track record for SVPs done it just a little bit longer than Jones has but pretty clearly based on the way that Jones finished the season the national championship game based on the buzz that seemed to generate around him during the spring this is going to be a you know very 
a valued member of this Georgia offensive line, left tackle on a team like UGA is obviously a pretty you know coveted position. That's the one that he's going to hold down for Georgia here this year. So he's definitely going to be in the conversation of most important players on this roster. And I guess one of the curiosities that would kind of emerge for me is is we're clearly seemingly there now on Jones, but it seemed like it kind of took a minute to get there. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that, hey, maybe either, you know, he was a little slower in developing or Georgia was a little slower in trusting him, but it's all kind of falling in place at the right time now. But why do you think it took us a minute to get here on that? Yeah, Brandon, I, I think that's a good topic. I think one of the reasons is probably with no slight to Broderick, I think it's kind of like the Jamari Salyer story is that they were just guys in front of him that were really stinking good. Long time, already NFL veterans right now with, you know, guys like you know, Solomon Kinley and everybody else that was in front of in front of Jamari right there. I, I want to give you a little bit more about why I think Broderick might be in tune with that conversation. Number one, Brandon, although he does have a short sample size, remember the work he had in the national championship game was against Alabama's top-tier edge rushers, and I don't know – rep for rep if he's going to get battle tested more than he was in those times when he got those great on great uh, reps against Will Anderson of Alabama. The other thing I will say is he is in every right holding off a Marius Mims who everybody sees his first round material from his own starting spot in Georgia. That's kind of the reasons why I see that. You know, the, the one thing, the line of demarcation I'd like to draw here between Salyer, excellent player, should go down as one of the all-time greatest dogs, especially off his team. But when I was doing a lot of draft research on Salyer, he did the job, and he did it effectively, but he just didn't look like what an NFL tackle should look like. It's almost like the style points, the length, the way he he didn't do certain things that a prototype NFL tackle would, even though he blocked the man, even though he didn't give up sacks, even though he didn't have penalties. It just didn't look like the way NFL general managers want to see it. And now when you flip the script over there to, to Broderick Jones, I think that's going to be more of the picture of mm. what a prototype ideal tackle should look like. And you mentioned uh, Eric Gilbert, and you're right. You know, there's a part of me that wants to temper expectations on Gilbert just because it's so easy to get so excited. I mean, I've seen photographs of him lately where he looks to be in pristine physical condition. At one point in time, that had been a question. We obviously saw in G-Day just what kind of nose for the football he continues to have. I think that, that Gilbert really could be in line for a really special season. And one thing that's true about him for this year that's not true about Brock Bowers is that Gilbert will be draft eligible when the season's done. So when you think about, you know, what um you know, how Georgia maybe, you know, builds back its like draft capital for this upcoming season compared to what it had a year ago with five first round picks on defense and what, fifteen guys drafted overall. I mean Gilbert's the kind of guy, you know, he might not be better than Brock Bowers, but in terms of getting a level of attention that Bowers is not getting because Gilbert could be draftable once the season's done. I mean, that's a pretty big conversation that we could be only a few months away from having if Eric goes out and does what people think that he's capable of doing. Yeah, Brandon, that's a great point. I'm kind of nodding along as you're making making those thoughts right there, but you got to remember, you're going to put your best guy that's in that safety linebacker nickel corner mode you're going to put the best guy probably still on Bowers so what are you going to do with Gilbert and you know Gilbert you hear some things Brandon and they're sort of like you know when you hear Kirby Smart everybody tries to pick apart everything the head coach of the national champion says and when you hear him talk about Georgia has more weapons offensively I just don't think he's talking about A.D. Mitchell and Chandler Smith and Arian Smith I think what he's really talking about is how are you going to deal with Georgia when you've got a Gilbert on the field and Bowers on the field and Mitchell on the field and McIntosh on the field 
and then maybe another name like an Oscar Delp. That's going to be matchup nightmares. It just may not be the NFL first-round receivers galore which I know Dog Nation is still hoping and pining for with the 2023 recruiting class. Yeah, I think that's interesting. On the defensive side of the ball, here are the four names that I had as guys who could be reasonably considered the best at their position in the country. Uh, Jalen Carter, that's the easiest name to give. I believe he probably is the best defensive tackle in the country. Mm-hmm. Maybe the biggest reach might be Nolan Smith, simply on the base of the fact that, you know, Will Anderson's also kind of that edge rusher type guy. And, you know, Anderson sort of starts the year with that crown. And you assume he's going to have another outstanding season there as well. Keely Ringo is another one of those guys that not only could he be the best cornerback in the country, Georgia probably needs him to be something close to that, given the level of inexperience that exists on the other side. And then my fourth name is Christopher Smith, who I think, you know, could be reasonably possibly best safety in the country here this year, which is a remarkable story for him in terms of the kind of player that he's become over the course of his career there at UGA. But on offense, I was able to give you what I thought were two names on defense. I think I can give you four names without stretching too much. Jalen Carter, that's a pretty easy one. Nolan, a little bit of a stretch maybe, but certainly a possibility. He comes back to his senior season, obviously with big goals in mind. Then Keeley and Christopher out of the defensive secondary. How about those four for you? Yeah, you know, Brennan, I think you would probably, you know, carry a lot of favor with this topic if you even extended it to top two or top three in the country because I think a little bit of that gray area where you wonder if Keeley's going to make another leap. Um, is going to, is he going to put him in that stratosphere? I think with Nolan, let's look at Nolan very objectively here. Nolan is great in run support. He's great, um, chasing down things. He's great in creating havoc. He's great on slants. The, the problem is there with he's in, he's been in those one on one rush, one on rush battles with a, one of those big six foot six offensive tackles. Well, they get their big arms on you, man. They just lock you out, you know, for, for Nolan, I think he does have another gear because I think Nolan is a guy that, let's remember, Georgia just really kind of changed its standard operating procedure with its rush patterns a year ago. Um, they let him, they let him attack the, the, the quarterback a little bit more. But the other thing with Nolan is he was also dealing with that elbow injury that kind of played him most of his junior year. And I think a healthy Nolan Smith with one year bigger, faster, and stronger would be great. I don't think we need to waste any time talking about Jalen Carter. Uh, I think he is the number one player at his position and he's a likely number one, two, three overall draft pick, um, next, next April in, uh, Roger Goodell's league. So then you go Chris Smith and, Brad, I can't help it. Every time I think of Chris Smith, I think about his hate bill charter days sure. and playing on a, playing on a, a field that, sure. that boys in Sandlot would have probably looked down on and the PVC goalposts. I remember him being at one time the only commitment for Georgia in the 2018 class, which then got a punter and then got um, – and then started bringing in the dudes, man, in that 2018 class. And he hung around, he hung around, uh, made the play against Clemson. And you, you talk about two of the names you mentioned there, both Keely Ringo and Chris Smith. Well, both of those guys have bookend plays for Georgia when, you know, folks, how they have always revered the 1980 national championship season and, Placed by Jeff Sanchez and Terry Hogue and Lindsey Scott and Herschel Walker and all that stuff right there. Well, they've got two big plays from those guys who have already made legendary plays in their career. So let me make the most obvious point in the world here, and we're being intentionally restrictive with the conversation we're having. We're not talking about players who are at least very good or newcomers who are going to surprise. We're not doing any of that right now. We're keeping this to a very rare stratus of 
you know, best in the country at the position. If we've got six names that we're having a, at least a reasonable discussion about, Jeff, I don't know where it is that people think Georgia's going after having won the national championship, but falling off the mountain here and, you know, completely disappearing from the national conversation. I think if people expect that to happen, they're going to have a very disappointing fall on their hands here very soon. You know, let's make this conversation a little more tantalizing, Brandon, because you were talking about people that were in the room or in the running here. I think Georgia, I'm going to just feel confident in saying this, but between either Marvin Jones Jr. and Michael Williams, I think Georgia will probably have the best freshman linebacker in the country, the best freshman pass rusher in the country. That's how good I think both of those young men can be, especially by November or December when that time comes. I think both of those guys, once they get their feet up underneath them, their freshman year, uh, I think those guys are going to be dangerous for the University of Georgia. That's fun to uh, consider there as well. This is On the Road. This is by AAA with Jeff Sintel here today. And obviously AAA with us all the time, man. We think about them when it comes to legendary roadside assistance when I'm going on vacation. I've certainly got that AAA card right there in my wallet just in case anything goes wrong. And I always feel good when my family can't be with me when they're driving around somewhere knowing the AAA is there for them. If I can't get there in time, AAA certainly can. But also AAA wanted to know when it comes to home insurance as well. There are many benefits that come your way when you get your home insurance through AAA. One of them is claim-free reward. This is really cool because you can earn cash back every policy year that you remain claim-free with AAA. You see all the discounts you can earn for AAA at the website AAA.com slash home insurance. That's AAA.com slash home insurance. You can also give them a call 833-718-2075. That's 833-718-2075. You can find a branch near you. You can talk about the benefits that come your way when you get your home insurance through our friends at AAA. Now, this also gives me a chance to go into legal disclaimer voice here for a moment. So let's see if I can do this without stumbling here today. Coverage is subject to all policy terms, conditions, exclusions, and limitations, discounts, and savings opportunities subject to eligibility requirements, subject to underwriting requirements, insurance underwritten by members select insurance company, non-affiliated insurance companies, copyright 2022, the Auto Club Group, all rights reserved. Yeah, not, too, not so bad. Not so bad. Maybe, maybe, maybe could have been better. All right, so Jeff, let's finish up with this. Uh, obviously, we're pre-recording this. We know that Georgia just had a huge weekend of visitors. That going down right before I left. We haven't had a chance to talk about that live here yet, but we'll look forward to doing that. And we also know that the rest of June is going to be pretty uh, busy for Georgia there as well. So let's skip past whatever happened with Justice Haynes and Arch Manning and you know uh, Caleb Downs and all those big guys that were here to kick off the month of June. How about for the weekend we're about to have here? I'm asking you in kind of an unfair spot to pre you this a couple of weeks in advance but give me an idea of the rest of june here for a moment before we say goodbye to you today yeah brandon let's 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 characterize this like we're going through our kids halloween candy bag or something like that your offensive sweet tooth with guys like you know arch manning justice haynes jalen hale raymond contrell uh, pierce sperling the third um you know a lot of those guys were the previous week uh this upcoming official visit weekend is gonna gonna tickle your defensive sweet tooth i mean i think one of the biggest most important uh targets for georgia in the class is big man jamal jarrett out of north carolina um i think he's ranking should climb they've been climbing uh, he's about six five about 340 or so you see him jumping off high dives you see him running track um, you've also got Grayson Tuff Howard out of uh, Jacksonville, Florida. I mean, Brandon, if anybody feels right to join the class, isn't it a linebacker with a nickname of Pop? I like it. Um, 
could have Pup and Pop in the uh, but Pup and Pops in the same linebacker core at some point in time. That could be quite a mouthful for some of us. Pup and Pop on the stop. I mean, that would be pretty good. Yeah. Obviously, Um, Jamon Dennis Johnson has that nickname. Todd Bowles, the son of uh, Tampa Bay now head coach, uh, uh, you know, he's going to be there. Uh, Troy Bowles, the son of uh, Tampa Bay head coach Todd Bowles, is there. Um, And also, Brandon, you get a little bit more receiver juice for you. You got Tyler Williams, that special playmaker, wide receiver, only a playing receiver for maybe a season and a half after playing some quarterback and some some, uh, other positions. And uh, then you've got Anthony Evans the third, the really speed Indian that Quincy Carter kind of gave the tour guide to Georgia. He spotted him in Texas, and this young man has 10 through 7 speed in the 100. He can long jump about 24 feet. Um, you know, this next weekend is definitely going to, you know, some uh, Brandon. There's clear intent here that Georgia wanted to come out and get come out of the gates in uh, June with official visits. They wanted to pull driver the first two weeks. And they wanted to try and bring in guys that they're feeling a certain type of way about Georgia to kind of maybe push them to the brink of that commitment word or maybe just have everybody feeling good when they look around and they say, you know what, I'm loving the University of Georgia. They're liking that white uniform. Some people are calling it the Stormtrooper uniform now already. Okay. They like sitting on that They, they like sitting on that throne that looks like uh, fashioned out of the campus arch. Um, and what they want to do is they want to surround them with like-minded individuals that's like, you know, I'm really liking Georgia right now. And, dude, if all these other guys are too, we should probably just play together. And I think that's what Georgia has tried to do with the way they've built their official visit weekend so far. I think it's good, Jeff. Thanks for being here on the road, assisted by AAA. I know you're obviously very busy, so the fact that you would spend some time for a pre-recorded interview like this certainly means a lot to me. And I look forward to speaking to you live again here next Friday, I think. And that'll be a lot of fun. And we will uh, chat then. Good times up ahead, Brandon. That's all I can say right now, but it's going to be a busy summer. You love to think about it. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Great to get a little recruiting talk from Jeff Sintel there, and obviously so much has happened in recruiting since we've been uh, on vacation here, and we uh, certainly understand that, and we're looking forward to covering all that for you throughout the rest of the summer here. And, of course, Jeff has been all over that there as well. Uh, for dognation.com and his own show during the week uh, before the hedge is presented by Kroger recruiting talk every Wednesday here around dog nation there as well for now though it's time to go cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean it's time for you to take a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation you know I love those Royal Caribbean cruise vacations I just think it's fun it's fun to be on the seas I think it's really cool to just be looking out and just seeing nothing but ocean you know one of the new ships the the newest ship that Royal Caribbean's introduced into its fleets wonder of the seas one of the things they've actually built on their pool deck is kind of an ocean view bar so when you're sitting at the bar you're actually looking out on the ocean i think that's great because let's face it, that's uh, the kind of view that you don't always get a ton which is nothing but sea for as far as your eyes can see uh nothing but ocean surrounding you in every direction it's just awesome and you see the pool deck there if you're watching on video. There's just so many fun things happening on board a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. And my encouragement to you is to check it all out and find out which itinerary you think might be the best for you, which ship you think might be the best for you. Obviously, we're here very biased in favor of Perfect Day, Coco Cay, the private island that's in the Bahamas and a part of so many of these Royal Caribbean cruise vacations. It's really about the most fun you can have. And we think you should probably do that. Maybe before you do anything else, just say, hey, which which of these ships are sailing to Perfect Day, Coco Cay, and sort of start your search that way. 
That'd be my recommendation. Either way, our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority can help you. You can find them online at tcava.com. That's tcava.com. You can also give them a call, 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. They're going to do a great job getting you ready for a great Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. So we are going to finish up today something we have been doing throughout the week, which is asking one big question for every team in the SEC other than Georgia. It's just kind of a vehicle to do a season preview type conversation. We have two teams left. If I've done the math correctly, we've done all of these. You could never be quite so sure, but I believe we've hit all 13 uh, by the time we're done here today. Both of these from the SEC West, the two Iron Bowl rivals, Alabama and Auburn. Here's my one big question for Alabama. Now, I've asked several questions related to Alabama already this week. But here's my one big question as it stands right now. We heard from Danny Sheridan the other day, the you know gambling odds type analyst who said that Alabama, along with the Georgia and Ohio State, the three teams in the country that will be a double-digit favorite in every game this season based on the way we understand things right now. Now, related to Georgia, we've talked about this quite a, quite a bit. We've been kind of left to wonder, is there any chance that Georgia is challenged at all this season? Is Georgia going to sail right through the regular season as a big favorite would be expected to and really set itself up for kind of a success or failure based on what happens from December on? There's a very good chance that's the scenario for UGA. But what about the flip side of that for Alabama? You know, Alabama lost a regular season game a year ago. Let's not forget that. Are they challenged in the regular season this year? But when Texas A&M did what it did last season, no one really saw that coming. A&M had not been playing very well, and frankly didn't play very well after that either. But they did beat Alabama there on that day, and Zach Calzada, the quarterback for the Aggies at the time, had the game of his life. Does someone else have the game of their life against the Crimson Tide this year, or is it easy to rubber stamp Alabama over and over again throughout the rest of the uh, regular season? And if you say, well, it's more likely than not that somebody challenges them, well, then who is it? You know, you almost kind of wonder, does Texas A&M lose the element of surprise for this year? Knowing it was already a revenge game, knowing that Jimbo Fisher has kind of shot off his mouth at Nick Saban, and Saban, who has the better team, the advantage of playing at home, does Alabama truly have something for Texas A&M simply because it wants a great taste of revenge? So let's just say, to be contrarian, that it's not A&M because that's the maybe the game that some folks would say is the most likely. Let's say it's not them. I also think it's probably not an Ole Miss or somebody like that because we saw Lane Kiffin thought he had some popcorn-ready moments for Alabama a year ago. Turned out not to be true. LSU's not very good right now. You know, we like Arkansas and the work that Sam Pittman's doing, but that's still a major talent imbalance in favor of the Crimson Tide when those two teams play. You start to really fumble around and say, well, is it Tennessee? I mean, is it finally time for Tennessee to make the third Saturday in October matter again? Still seems like it's a little soon for that. Is it Texas? We've talked about the uh, Alabama-Texas game already this week. I don't know that it's an obvious answer of who it might be, but but maybe it's more likely than not they're challenged by somebody because almost everybody plays a close game at least eventually. But who would that opponent be for Alabama this season? That is my one big question for the Crimson Tide. And then finally, the final big question left for the final SEC team we haven't discussed, it's the Auburn Tigers, and unfortunately it's a negative one. The question is simply, what happens next? I believe that Brian Harson, although he saved his job this offseason, likely isn't going to save his job for next offseason. I think that Auburn more likely than not has a different coach at the helm for 2023. And if you're an Auburn man here, 
but to, to go beyond who do you want that to be, it's it's what kind of coach do you want it to be? It seems like Gus Malzahn kind of wore out his welcome, and Malzahn was using some fairly defeatist language by the end of his Auburn career. It's easy to understand why that got a little stale. But the notion that you know a lot of Auburn boosters wanted to push Malzahn out, replace him with Kevin Steele, I'm not quite so sure that would have resurrected the program as much as some of those rich folks down in the Plains thought it probably would. And let's say that Harson is what I think he's going to be, a coach from the group of five level who simply is in over his head at the SEC. He's just not a – this job is above his capabilities. Well, beyond that, what kind of coach do you want to go back to? Because, I mean, let's face it, while Georgia fans love the idea that Auburn's been so lowly, and certainly Georgia fans have liked kicking around the Tigers, the truth is, of course, the last 30 years or so, Auburn's been good more often than not. You know, you know, uh, one of the upper, I want to say, you know, not the best team in the SEC, but on the upper half of the SEC at the very least, and the kind of that approach of the upper third of this league, that's where I think they're probably reasonably supposed to be, especially given their you know, geographic advantages when it comes to recruiting. But they have not had coaches that have tapped into that. It's been amazing to watch how the recruiting footprint for Auburn is just getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. The Auburn brand doesn't seem to carry much weight when you get too far outside of Opelika. And that's got to change. And I don't know that Brian Harson's capable of doing it. In fact, I don't believe that he is. So what comes next after Harson? We may be finding that out sooner rather than later. So I always think of my vacation time. We take a summer beach vacation uh, for a week each and every year. It's a time that I always kind of reflect on the year that we've had since then. Obviously, for Georgia football, so much has occurred since then. Georgia's won the national championship. I think it's been a very good year for Dog Nation. I'm thankful to say a very good year for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger there as well. It is an unbelievable privilege to sit here and do this show for you each and every day. I know how many options you have and how many you know things you could do other than watching or listening to this show i never take it for granted that you come back and visit with us each and every day that's why we try to do a good job and work hard to deliver these pre-recorded shows because this is your time it's more valuable to you than your money probably and the fact that you would spend some of your time on us we don't ever want to take that for granted so as i enjoy the final day of my vacation before being back here live on monday please hear me say thank you i mean it sincerely i really appreciate you allowing me to do the show allowing me to take a vacation, and I can't wait to see you back here live on Monday. But before I go, how about a Gator Hater Updater? 4,901 days. That's how long it's been since Florida's won a national championship. I'm pretty thankful for that there as well, if I'm, if I'm being truly honest. And I'm also grateful to know 141 days from right now, dogs in Jacksonville beating up on the Gators again. That'll feel like a vacation. But for now, my vacation's getting ready to wrap up. We'll see you back here on Monday for Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. We'll look forward to talking to you then.